Chapter Three of *The Garden of Folly* by Stephen Leacock. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: The Human Body, Its Care and Prevention. Having put the human mind where it belongs, or at least placed it where it can do no harm, we shall proceed in the present chapter to deal with the human body in her various aspects. Most readers will admit, except those who are complete nuts that with the single exception of the mind and the soul there is nothing so important as the body if we had no body it is doubtful if we could get along without the body most of us if not all of us would feel lost life itself would lose much of its elasticity and even the most optimistic would be oppressed with a sense of emptiness under such circumstances it is obvious that the care and use of the body is a matter of prime importance we must study the question of how we are to treat it what will be the best food to give it what would it like to eat does it care for fruit and nuts are eggs good for it in short the thoughtful man when he sits down to eat will not merely consider his own personal likes and dislikes but will remember that he must look after his body the same is true of exercise the wise man when he goes out for a walk will take his body along with him air is good for it and he will see to it that his body is always properly warmed housed and cleaned it is not too much to say that the proper care of the body has a close connection with the health to maintain this care there is needed a continued and anxious personal attention the thing must not be left to subordinates the man of sense will keep up a minute and unceasing examination of his skin his hair and his whole exterior if he drops a hair he should pick it up at once one of the follicles at its base may have given way or perhaps the fall of the hair may mean that he is in the incipient stage of scatolosis or mange if so he ought to inform himself of it without delay nor is it only the external aspect of the body that should be an object of continuous attention the same thing is true of the interior or what we may call medically the inside the prudent man especially as he reaches middle life will keep a watchful eye turned on his inside are his ducts functioning how is his great colon and the shorter or semicolon what about that is there an easy flow of nitric acid from the esophagus to the proscenium if not what is stopping it has perhaps a lot of sand or mud made its way into the auditorium are the sebaceous glands in what one might call efficient working condition and are the valves of the liver revolving as they ought to are the eyes opening and shutting properly and is the lower jaw swinging on its hinges as it should in short the man of discretion will go over himself each day and tap himself with a small hammer to see that his body is functioning as it ought to this care of the body and particularly this attention to food is a thing of very recent growth it belongs only with the era in which we live and with the development of the advertising sections of the metropolitan press with the invention of scenic advertising along the lines of our great railways it is amazing how careless our ancestors were in this respect the early pioneers who cut down the forests and settled the farmlands of north america never seemed to have taken any exercise they knew nothing of the value of deep breathing or of the advantage of lifting the left knee up to the chest 
five times every morning before breakfast as to food the mental state of our ancestors was appalling they were ignorant of vitamins calories and of the proper proportion of ferruginous and diaphanous elements in diurnal diet they ate pancakes oat cakes johnny cakes and other albuminous integers without realizing that in so doing they were increasing their consumption of protein without any corresponding balance of nitrogen they seem to have eaten meats pies ham sandwiches doughnuts and dog biscuits under the silly impression that such things are food we have only to open a modern scientific book on diet and what it does to us to realize that they are not these things may satisfy the appetite and distend the stomach and create a distressing hallucination of happiness but they are not food in the true sense food will be found to consist of certain chemical products including nitrogen carbon such as common coal cement glue and other life-giving elements to all of these we now give the name of vitamines to indicate that without them life is not possible or if possible at all is too dull to count but to get at the root of the matter we must turn back to the beginning of our analysis and must proceed to build up a science of food the science of food the first thing we have to do is to obtain a scientific view of the nature of food and to answer the question why do we eat and what will happen if we don't most people have never stopped to ask themselves why they eat and could not give a satisfactory reason why they do so from the medical point of view the problem is not so simple as it sounds but we may in an approximate way answer the question by saying that if we did not eat we should lose tone and elasticity there would be a lowering of buoyancy our blood would slacken our stomach would sink and our clothes would come unbuttoned granted then that we are satisfied with the answer to our first question and admit perhaps regretfully that we must eat we are confronted with the second inquiry how much should we eat and when have we eaten enough here again science is able to give us a definite answer there are certain plain and obvious symptoms which indicate to the trained eye that we have eaten enough the distension of the stomach as notified by the stretching and cracking of the skin the bulging of the eyes and the inability to move the jaws should warn us that it is time to rise from the table if we can some specialists however hold that even when this stage has been reached a more complete repletion can still be secured by the infiltration of buckwheat pancakes and maple syrup this however is a technical matter of secondary importance the main factor is that after a certain point is reached a general feeling of compactness of solidification of unification of the whole body sets in and informs us that if we like we can stop eating without harm this much established we pass to the much more delicate inquiry what can we eat and if we do how can we digest it this inquiry we cannot undertake however until we are prepared to understand what it is that happens medically and scientifically to our food the process runs thus the food is first introduced into the mouth where it is thrown violently back and forward beating with great force against the cheeks 
by this means it is folded into a ball and thrown to the esophagus which catches it spins it round and hurls it with a splash into the stomach in this organ it is further pounded pulverized kicked and bruised reduced thus into its elements the food is divided some of it passes into the liver some into the heart some into the eyes causing them to bulge while some again goes back into the face causing it to swell and expand until its temperature reaches the boiling point and is carried off in the form of steam the food not thus used is thrown by the stomach into the tetrahedron and disappears so far so good we have now to ask what particular substances are those which present to us the proper food values science tells us that food consists of the following things the class of substances called proteins such as ordinary paste glue as found on the back of postage stamps shoe blacking including tan polish etc etc the whole class known as carbons such as common coal burnt sticks lamp black and so on a number of gases to include nitrogen hydrogen sulfuric acid as found in eggs and so forth in addition to these principal articles of diet the body needs if it is to maintain a perfect health a certain quantity of phosphorus lime old iron sugar gin cement rust beans mud and other bone-making elements computation by calories for a perfect science of food we need however more than a mere list of the food ingredients we must have some form of relative measurement of computation modern science supplies this in the form of the calorie one of the newest and brightest discoveries in the art of eating a calorie which is derived from the greek calico i eat means the amount of units of heat which a food constituent imparts to the body thus when we eat a pound of beefsteak we are aware of a growing sensation of heat on eating a second pound we are hotter still on eating the third pound our latent heat if it were not carried off in the form of a cloud rising from the face would result in serious inconvenience and perhaps in an liquefaction of the kidneys in other words we should be at the boiling point experience shows that a pound of beefsteak contains eight hundred calories a pound of sausages contains sixteen hundred calories while coal tar although it is nearly five hundred times sweeter than sugar contains no calories at all that is why we do not eat coal tar on the other hand various articles of diet which are very commonly neglected are very rich in calories of these we may mention brazil nuts popcorn timothy hay spinach raw oats and grass seed we are now in a position to indicate the general tenor of a balanced diet we may set it down somewhat as follows breakfast menu for an adult one hundred calories of nitrogen dioxide one hundred calories ten pounds of popcorn one hundred calories one packet of bird seed it will be found that any adult in good condition who eats this breakfast will rise from it with a sense of lightness and volubility quite lacking after his usual diet breakfast menu for a child one hundred calories of hay one pint of sour milk very rich and swarming with vitamins 
two pounds of beefsteak high value in carbohydrates one cake of soap let us try a slight variation aviator's breakfast before flying hydrogen four hundred calories popcorn half a bushel aviator's dinner after flying one pound of cement three calories of iron one can of stewed lead with perhaps a crab apple anybody with a constructive mind will readily see how easy and simple it becomes when once we have a proper knowledge of food values to put together a suitable diet or menu for any kind of occasion it is needless to multiply examples but a few typical illustrations may serve to develop our meaning to the saturation point thus menu for annual luncheon of an artist's league hors d'oeuvres air soup nitrogen fish gasoline pièce de résistance of one hundred calorie spinach dessert more spinach having now arranged a perfect diet adaptable to all places and times our next concern is with the problem of how to digest it can we do it we can modern science is able to state confidently that food if properly combined and put into the body can be digested in fact this is one of the great triumphs of modern science in past ages though it was not known at the time many of the principal troubles of the world arose from indigestion we read of the deep melancholy of dante and of how he would sit brooding for hours this was indigestion if dante had taken a few calories of liquid air and a plate of popcorn every morning he would never have felt this we read of the terrible restlessness all over europe which led to the first crusade again indigestion if peter the hermit and his followers had known how to make a few suitable exercises on the floor of the bathroom every morning they would never have started for jerusalem in other words the secret of digestion lies in exercise not taken in the rude fashion of earlier times on horseback and with hounds and in such ways but taken on the floor of the bathroom while lying on the stomach we now know everybody knows who reads in the press that exercise of this kind can be so contrived as to be a form of play of mere skittishness the person exercising jumps out of his bed of a morning rushes to the bathroom throws himself on the floor and in ten minutes of playfulness sets himself up in energy for the day without wishing to injure the sale of any of the numerous methods of exercise already on the market i venture here to put in my own system merely as a sample more or less typical of what is being achieved in this respect daily exercise on the floor in taking these exercises the operator should be dressed in pajamas and the exercises should be performed on the floor of a bathroom this last is a point of especial importance the floor of the bathroom according to all published directions is the only safe place in which to take these exercises they should not be taken on the floor of a ballroom or on the table of a dining room course number one this course is especially designed for persons in middle life anxious to get rid of obesity melancholy and taciturnity movement number one standing on the ball of the left foot wave the right foot three times smartly around the head at the same time shouting hoorah 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 movement number two 
do it again movement number three again movement number four once more this time shouting ha 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 as the foot whirls around the head movement number five standing in an easy attitude pass the right arm below and behind the right knee so as to bring it round above and beyond the left shoulder at the same time rapidly revolving the body to the right and elevating the left foot so as to pivot on the right heel movement six keep on spinning movement number seven reverse movement number eight go into low gear movement number nine stop movement number ten turn a couple of handsprings downstairs and sit down to breakfast ten minutes of this kind of play taken every day will keep obesity at arm's length indefinitely course number two for businessmen this course is so designed that it can be taken in the office itself at intervals between signing checks closing deals and taking in money there is no need in short for the businessman to get out of his swivel chair while doing these movements movement number one move the ears gently back and forward movement number two light a large cigar and breathe very deeply in such a way as alternately to draw the smoke into the cavity of the mouth and expel it movement number three while still continuing number two place the feet upon a stool or chair within easy distance hold the hands across the stomach and close the eyes movement number four keep on movement number five let the cigar fall sideways into an ashtray place the head in a drooping position draw a handkerchief over the cranium and remain in this posture for half an hour movement number six pretend to snore movement number seven come smartly to an attitude of alacrity remove the handkerchief pick the cigar up out of the ashtray whirl around three times on the swivel chair ring for the stenographer and start a new deal at the same time moving the ears back and forward with rapidity so much then for our ideas of what human food ought to be and what it ought to contain let us now ask because we must keep on asking something is it possible to obtain any simple prepared food which contains all the required ingredients in exactly the right proportion and has such a food ever been discovered we answer it is and it has this marvellous achievement of science was consummated in the discovery of humpo the perfect breakfast food obtainable at all grocers i do not know whether our readers have ever heard of humpo they may have lived so far out of the main current of modern thought that they know nothing of it but at least they have read in the advertising pages of the press of various preparations similar yet inferior by the way all readers should be cautioned never to accept these inferior preparations no matter what persuasion or blandishments may be used they should answer no i want humpo they must never accept the statement that any preparation is equal to it to any such insinuation they must say with the utmost firmness i insist on humpo students of this subject know how long and how eagerly the world had sought a perfect breakfast food benjamin franklin is said to have said that if there had been a perfect breakfast food there would have been no declaration of independence 
napoleon at st helena often remarked that with a perfect breakfast food he would have won the battle of waterloo and abraham lincoln in his droll way once said that if he had a perfect breakfast food he wouldn't take any breakfast but for years the greatest scientists worked in vain sir humphrey davy charles darwin and thomas huxley were compelled to abandon the problem it remained for dr oscar p klunspatz to solve it the picture of dr klunspatz may be seen in the advertising pages of any illustrated periodical he is depicted in what is evidently his laboratory shrouded by huge glass retorts crucibles test scales and little heaps of various grains the intensity of the expression of the doctor's face shows that at the moment when they photographed him he was in the very act of discovering humpo it was his task to prepare a food product containing exactly the right amount of starch mud and phosphorus to supply the great life-giving elements with just enough amygdaloid to make it palatable as soon as he had done this dr klunspatz rightly called the wizard of food gave his preparation to the world it may be now had anywhere put up in a sealed package and sold for a nominal sum payable merely in money great moments in the history of human welfare the discovery of a balzo by the wizard of the adirondacks undoubtedly the discovery of humpo marked an era in human history in fact dr plunspatz who is modesty itself is reported to have said his words are printed on the package a perfect breakfast means a perfect day the only other achievement in the history of human welfare that can be compared with the compounding of humpo is the story of the discovery of balzo what humpo does for the well body balzo does for the sick the problem in this case was to find not a substance which would maintain the body in health but a remedy which should heal and restore the body in any and every form of illness by this time no doubt all the world knows the story everybody who reads is familiar with the picture of the individual whom i designate the wizard of the adirondacks this venerable man looking like father time wearing a flowing beard and dressed in a bath towel is seen on the outside of the package of balso and elsewhere while engaged in stirring the contents of a huge iron pot all around him is a setting of pine trees and rock in the fastnesses of the mountains the whole scene breathes an aroma of the woods and of the life-giving balsam which must exist there as the steam rises from the pot we realize that the wizard is in the act of discovering his great remedy the mind is almost staggered at the thought the remedy once found the next problem was to give it an appropriate name such a name ought to be at once scientific and scholarly and yet short enough to be cheap to print and calculated to convey a certain hint but not too much of its possible connection with the balsam tree with characteristic ingenuity the wizard himself after deep thought invented the name balzo under which the great remedy has since become famous all the world over readers by the way are warned that anything that is called something else is a different thing and should be avoided like the pest unscrupulous dealers and we know what they are 
may try to sell us preparations purporting to be equal in curative property but the reader has only to understand what balso does to realize that there can be only one thing like it a word as to the properties of balso let it first be distinctly understood that balso has no connection whatever with the remedies and the treatments of the medical colleges it stands on a much higher authority the original secret of balso comes from the dog rib indians it was perhaps known also to the flatheads and the snub-nosed paiutes and other great aborigines possibly the hottentots used it at any rate balso is a simple and when we say that we reach our readers where they live the extraordinary advantage of balso lies in the wide range of its use in the first place it undoubtedly heals all forms of bone disease when rubbed on the bones for all internal complaints especially those indicated by a sinking or depressed feeling or a forlorn sensation or by an inability to earn money balso effects an immediate cure in these cases it is taken internally by the pint for diseases of the hair such as complete baldness or lethargy of the scalp a smart rubbing of balso will work wonders while for infantile complaints such as croup whoop paresis and so forth the child should be rubbed with balso and laid upon a shelf it is curious to think that if the dog rib indians had all died and if there had been no conservation of the great forests but after all why think it the essential thing is that some day the jealousy and envy of the colleges will give way and this great remedy will come into its own the secret of longevity and perpetual youth our readers those of them who have arrived at this point of our discussion and we are really not concerned with the others will naturally interpose and say you have told us how the body may be sustained renovated and upholstered by means of systematic diet and exercise and how it can be restored from vital or wasting disease such as baldness mange and sinking of the stomach what we wish to know is how long can life be thus sustained and prolonged if they do ask this our readers will receive a shock of surprise in fact we have been keeping this shock for them when we say that there is no reason why they should not live as long as they care to this offer is restricted of course to readers of these pages others must die as usual in other words we must now know so much about longevity that we have practically arrived at the secret of living forever or at any rate until death it may be of interest to show the way in which modern science has arrived at this conclusion in the first place a great many actual cases of longevity have been examined and useful conclusions drawn from each i will quote a few cases here merely a few among thousands such as help toward deductions in regard to the possibilities of old age they are taken as appears from the form in which they are written from the columns of the daily papers but each case has also been certified to either by a local minister of the gospel or a notary public or by a duly qualified hotel keeper case number one as reported in the daily analyst cedar corners iowa 
william watterson celebrated his hundred and first birthday at his residence here at cedar corners the old gentleman is still hale and hearty and celebrated the day by splitting two cords of wood mr watterson has been a water drinker all of his life having never tasted alcoholic spirits or tobacco the inference here is obvious mr watterson's life has been preserved for the plain and evident reason that he drinks only water and never smokes if he touches whiskey or cigarettes it will be all over with him we put beside this however a rather puzzling item which appears in the weekly news and intelligencer georgina township ontario mr edward easiest celebrated his one hundred and first birthday here at the home of his son surrounded by his grandchildren in the presence of a representative of the weekly intelligencer devoutly giving thanks to the lord for his continued health and strength mr easiest has been a heavy smoker all his days and still relishes his glass of hot toddy compounded of rum spices and sugar good old man can we blame him and in any case it is clear that he owes his life to rum and tobacco indeed what looks simple at first begins to appear more complicated compare this jarrett's corner new york cornelia cleopatra washington colored celebrated here her one hundred and tenth birthday yesterday she remembers george washington as a child plain enough she lived so long because she was colored there seems no other reason clanfid wales from the clanfid fittest mrs Cluellen owen a resident of this town celebrated her one hundred and fifth birthday yesterday mrs owen who has lived in wales since her childhood a hundred and ten years ago still retains all her faculties and maintains a keen interest in english politics especially in the doings of lloyd george whom she remembers a hundred years ago as a pupil of her father's school mrs owen talks interestingly of the great fire of london which she remembers as a girl and of the sailing of the pilgrim fathers many of whom she knew she doubts whether the cabinet of the labor party in england contains men of the same caliber as the greatest men in history in this case without a doubt mrs owen owes her life to her interest in english politics indeed one observes many cases of this sort from examples such as these we see at once that there are certain things which conduce to perpetual youth such as drinking nothing else throughout life but water or nothing but rum as the case may be total absence from tobacco undoubtedly prolongs life and so does excessive smoking but modern science has recently recognized that in the main what we call old age is a condition brought on by an insufficiency of sour milk in the system the discoveries of dr menchikoff have shown that sour milk is full of minute polylots which when let loose in the human body effect a general restoration by removing all waste it is now proven beyond doubt that anybody who takes a gallon of sour milk night and morning can live forever the only question is is it worth it End of chapter three